It is episode 51 of Behind the Mic. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. Send me an email, antonellis.michael at gmail.com. And as you're listening to this in any podcast format, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google, please like, please leave a comment. We're all about that. Please rate it for me. It helps the support. And thank all of you. And, and thanks to our terrific guests. Hope you enjoy episode 50. That was Robbie Scott. Here's one little caveat now with the podcast. You can also watch these interviews. I'm doing these on Zoom. And uh, feel free to watch them on my YouTube page. Just search Mike Antonellis on YouTube. And I have a behind-the-mic playlist. And you can watch um, the last few interviews I've done with Robbie Scott, Chris Smith, Kyle Hart, and my one today. We'll go back to my main roots, as some people might not realize. I spent 15 years with the Portland Sea Dogs. I met some great people there, and my guest today is Jeff Mannix. Jeff is a hockey guy, but Jeff can do everything. I mean, he's a play-by-play guy, but he's hosting a talk show in Portland, and Jeff and I became good friends, colleagues over the years. Respect the hell out of him. He is probably one of the most talented hockey play-by-play guys that I know, And um, but I enjoy our, our friendship. That's what means a lot. He's got a great, great show that I used to do, actually, in uh, Portland, Maine, but Jeff has taken it to uh, a much better level than I did. His brother does a show with him. It's called Mannix and Mannix. But Jeff Mannix, we go back to my main roots for episode 51. Hey, Jeff, first of all, good to see you, bud. How you been? Good to see you, too. I've been great. Great uh, great to talk to you. Great to see you again, too. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on your show. So that's a good thing about radio, uh, the big jab up in Portland, Maine, you and your brother are still going at it every Saturday. Yes, we are. And, uh, you know, that's that's been the good thing about sports talk radio is even though, uh, you know, sports did kind of shut down for a little while, it, you know, we still had some things to talk about, whether it was, you know, just local leagues, local athletes trying to compete in, in some way or or just trying to, you know, sports trying to get back in, in some yeah. Form, you know allowed us at least for those few months to continually have a show and and that's nice I'm I'm thankful though that we only had one show a week rather than than five days a week I think that was hard for you know for uh, for Shu and Joe in the morning and for Hav and Chris in the afternoon who work five days a week they're all good at what they do but you know just having the one day a week at least was uh was good because, you know, you could focus on other things, but also kind of keep it light and keep it sports related too, because if you were doing it every day, it was hard to not veer into other areas, but we at least could, could keep it for the most part, right to sports and when are they going to be back and when are they going to be looking like sports again? Yeah. Now I was going to say once a week, I mean, even with sports going full time, you have to beat that horse every day. So that once a week thing is, is actually nice because you have, if something happens on Sunday, you know, when I did the show, you have the whole week, you start your minds by Saturday. You, you say, you know what? I got a different angle here. Mm-hmm. Change during the course of the week, right? Exactly. And that, that's a good thing. I think about the week long thing, it does give you time to, to process things, which is, which is good. It, it has been very, very rare for the most part that, uh, you know, that things kind of break during our 7 to 11 window on Saturday 
the last big thing really that did was uh, Tuka Rask leaving the Bruins right before a game um, that that happened right as a show was ending. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, the Cam Newton announcement just a couple of weeks ago happened about two minutes after we finished up our show. So we couldn't talk about it that day. But um, which, as far as I'm concerned, is fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it took up a lot of uh, a lot of bandwidth when it came to sports talk radio here in New England. Uh, as soon as that happened, and continues to. I love the fact you do your show with your brother Taylor. Uh, Taylor's a baseball guy. I know you're a hockey guy. I mean, he likes you guys both like a lot of sports. But that's a pretty cool dynamic that you did with that show to bring him in. And I think Kevin two brothers is is great because it's real and the, the, a lot of emotions are raw and real yeah it's uh it, it was very unique and and the opportunity of how it all came about was a little bit uh surprising i know you know and i'm i mean you you know both of us mike and i'm extremely thankful now to be able to have the opportunity to to do a radio show with my younger brother taylor who's 11 years younger than me and we have different mothers and so it's you know I mean we're brothers but we grew up apart basically and um so this is this is kind of the the best opportunity we've had as adults to really uh not just create a, a brother family relationship but a good working relationship as well and I know 10 years ago this was not something I had envisioned uh I don't think he did either um, you know, it was kind of once he got into adulthood and did some other things and was able to eventually go to college that he decided, you know, sports was kind of something he liked and he saw what I was doing and, uh, decided he kind of wanted to follow in the footsteps. And we had, uh, the opportunity for me to, to bring him on after I, I picked up another broadcast job that was going to take me away from the Saturday show for, uh, a lot of winter uh, days because it, I, we brought him on right around the time I got the University of Maine men's hockey broadcasting uh, job for television here in the state of Maine. So that was going to require, you know, a, a lot of time spent in Orono uh, on weekends, which is two hours away from Portland. So it doesn't exactly make a whole lot of sense to be traveling back and forth like that all the time to, to do a Saturday morning radio show. So just to have some extra backup you know, I said, hey, can we have uh, a co-host for the show? And and thankfully, management at Atlantic Coast Radio was completely on board when I said I'd like it to be my younger brother. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's gone really well. I think he, he adds uh, a great deal to the show. Uh, and it adds uh, a different, I think, uh, component that I think is has been missing a little bit from the Big Jab programming, and that's younger listenership. Definitely. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, sports talk radio is very much, a, a you know, an older male skewing uh, feel, but there's audiences there in other places. And that's part of the reason why I wanted uh, a younger voice, but also to, to be able to just tap into the way that uh, I, I'd say millennials and Generation Z think about sports, which I think is very, very different than the way uh, that maybe, uh, you know, your baby boomers think about sports. Yeah, I like it. So I, I think the best thing too, what you guys do is you're yourselves. So I think there's a notion in this business that you have to be 
maybe like everyone else or you try to be someone other than who you are. And I've learned that being who you are, that's what, I mean, you're called an on-air personality. I mean, the title's written out. You two are who you are. You know, I know you guys off the air. And I think that's really good to bring because people start to know that. And I don't, I don't think you can trick people anymore. And they know that you two are who, you know, they meet you go, that's the same guy I met. He's the same guy off the air. Well, you, you should be in a way, right? Right. I, I absolutely think you should, you know, uh, and, and part of the reason that I like to do things the way I do and we want to be authentic is because I, it's, it's bothered me seeing some of these, you know, fake personalities. I wrote a blog about it once and yeah. called them bombastic sports bros. Um, and, you know, that, that to me is something that has, has really arisen and, and, I think this it's an issue in more than just sports talk radio of, you know, the most eyeballs is the most outlandish thing we can say or do. And that to me is, is not the way to, to do things and develop an audience over time. Yeah. It might pop for a week or two, but after that you have to come up with the next, you know, off the wall thing or, or topic to discuss to, to be able to keep that sort of thing going. And, and that's not something that I want to do. You know, I've no. been, I've been around uh, sports media or at least media in general, pretty much since I was a kid from both sides of my family. And, and, you know, so I kind of do have that old school ethic of just show up and do the job and do it well and, and be yourself and yeah. just do what you think is is the right thing to do and the audience will come you know the the listenership will come and i think over time that that is exactly what's occurred i'm i'm in this for the long term i'm not in this for short term ratings as far as i'm concerned you know i want to build a, a long term audience that really appreciates what we do and and knows that when there's a big happening in the sports world that you're going to get a a take that's that's well thought out that's reasoned as opposed to you know just kind of reading the headline and screaming bloody murder about whatever you think in that moment yeah i can't stand it i just i don't know why it, it it's gone that way i think you and i are unique so we'll get into this jeff's a, a hockey guy play-by-play kind of raising the business that way i'm a baseball guy raised that way when we do play-by-play play. I mean you you kind of develop a personality certainly on the air I have a persona but it's truthful and then when I always did sports talk radio I, I I never understood why you can't be in the middle of something why you can't be gray why you can't say well this or that mm-hmm. and it be, like you said it just sometimes when you're over the top with a take it just it doesn't sound authentic because it's okay to say you don't know something I don't think a listener would think less of you you don't have to be so- yes or no I, I think that can be a better conversation, right? A little bit in the middle. Yeah, I think so too. You know, you, you kind of, and, and there are so many instances where I see that. I remember the, the big one uh, that, that kind of really drew me to that uh, opinion, a very, very similar one to yours, was the discussion a few years ago before, uh, you know, uh, Washington changed their nickname to just football team as opposed to, uh, to, the derogatory term redskins. And, you know, I just took so many calls about people saying, well, they, you know, it shouldn't be an offensive term. It's not meant in that way. And it's, and what I came around to in in talking to people about it is, well, 
it's not really on any of us to tell another person what is offensive to them or what should be offensive to them. And that has really made me think about an awful lot of things. And, and I know politics are a lot bigger in sports now. We had Black Lives Matter on the, on the court at, at the NBA bubble. Um, so those sorts of things are there. And, you know, but it is okay to kind of say it's all right to make the statement while at the same time, boy, it's awfully annoying that we get to, that we have to see all this stuff right yeah, you know it can be both at the same time, and and uh, I think it's it's important to to come across that way in sports talk. But I mean, really in life, it's the same type of thing, you know. And, yeah. and I think it would be so much better if we could all just kind of get to okay. I may have a different perspective, but at least I can appreciate yours too, and not think you're a horrible person just because I disagree with you. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about this. I think we're just very insecure now as a nation. I don't know why. I mean, you should be able to, I mean, if somebody has told me about, you might want to do this more, this to to help in what I'm doing. I mean, I would want that. I don't want, when I worked in Portland, I mean, I, I didn't want every fan to say how great you are all the time because you don't get, for me, you don't get better. You want, mm-hmm. and this is another thing, constructive criticism, but I still think it works into, just talking with somebody, there is a lot of tension now. And I think it's been like that before it's been like this for a while. And I don't, I don't know why that's happened. I don't, I don't know if it's social media, you know, I know we, we do blame things, but I still think it's people that, you know, you could say, well, Twitter's bad, but I don't use Twitter that way. You don't, I enjoy what you put out. So I don't know. Um, We're on the defense. You know, I don't, that's a mystery to me. I don't know why. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure you don't either. Uh, no, uh, I, I certainly don't uh, either. I mean, you know, and it's it's funny too, just because um, a lot of the things that we talk about in the country, like we think we're the best at things. Yeah. So where does the insecurity come from? If if you know if if the way we do things is the best and all that, then why are we so insecure about it? I don't know. And and about our own positions and things you know um, yeah yeah it's yeah it's a, it's a it's an interesting time but I think it's good because it's it's opening up conversations I think it's getting people to get indulged with stuff that maybe we weren't talking about I mean I think about I'm 47 as a kid there are a lot of things right now that you would not talk about to your parents or you wouldn't admit so I do like that part of it all right your your background I mean for me, being a baseball guy, I was exposed to it super early age. I know your passion for hockey. I'm assuming it's kind of the same deal. You kind of grew up loving it and you wanted to be a part of it. Exactly. That's, uh, that's really what it came down to for me. And uh, I guess from a very young age, you would say I knew I was really into sports. I knew I was really into the broadcasting element of it as as I said it comes from both sides of my family you know my my father was on television as a as a meteorologist for 25 years in Maine but my grandfather uh from the other side uh started WAGM television station in Presque Isle which still mm-hmm. operates to this day uh and he was uh, he broadcast high school basketball in Aroostook County 
uh, in northern Maine for a good 25 or 30 years or so. So I guess I kind of always had that little bug. Um, hockey was the sport I think I kind of settled on as my favorite just because it was the most fun for me to watch yeah. when I was a kid. It, it had the most going on. Um, it, and it, it combined so many different elements. It combines speed, it combines grace with power and, you know, violence and emotion and all these sorts of things. And as, as a little kid growing up in Northern Maine, um, I had, you know, in other parts of Maine, you didn't necessarily have access to, to CBC, uh, from Canada. And I did in Northern Maine. So I grew up watching hockey night in Canada every Saturday night. And that's what really made me love hockey. I mean, growing up, I saw, you know, more Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs games than I did Boston Bruins games. I, I still became a Bruins fan because my father's from Boston and he drilled that into me very early. You know, we root for the Boston Bruins. So, um, so that became, the, the team that I, I obviously grew up watching. And, and the fact that the University of Maine became a national powerhouse when I was real young, too, I think uh, really helped that. Sean Walsh built the University of Maine hockey program from, you know, kind of a nothing program in the mid-1980s into, by 1993, arguably the greatest college hockey team that's ever been assembled. And people still say that to this day. They went 42-1-2 in 45 games while winning a national championship. Uh, and Paul Correa was the leading player on that team. He's now a Hockey Hall of Famer. So, um, and that was what I grew up watching. And I got lucky enough when I was, uh, you know, during that year when they won the national championship in 1993, that my mom, uh, who I was raised by as an only child, um, and you know, I was her only kid, so it was basically the two of us when I grew up uh, my whole time. But she, uh, in her own career path, needed to get uh, a couple new degrees, and she needed to move me from northern Maine to Orono, to the University of Maine, where she was going to get those degrees. So um, by her doing that, I got the chance through, you know, her being a student and getting you know, tickets to, to sporting events, basically as part of her fees, we could go to those games. And she was not a hockey fan at all. Uh, she knew I liked it, but just going to a few of those games with that team, she became a giant hockey fan and was for the rest of her life. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I feel like that prepares any broadcaster but it, the um, wealth of knowledge and that is almost like the books that you studied. Because I've, I've, I've talked to many, and I have kind of the same story too, growing up watching it and all that. That's how you become, I think, a broadcaster. Obviously, you have to love the sport and at a ridiculous level, but you had all that training that you probably didn't even realize helped your career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, you know, I grew up kind of, you know, and I would take whatever sort of medium I could to, to kind of do it and, and do it for myself, whether it was like an air hockey table where I just kind of hit two things between one another and call different players names. 
um, you know, to just kind of running around my own living room with whatever I could find and like playing with a stick and a puck and, and calling names. I, I, that's the sort of thing that, that I kind of did when I was on my own. Um, and I, I think it did absolutely prepare me the first time I, I stepped inside a, a a booth, you know, onto a press road to to call a game was my third, you know, uh, well, it was the third week of the college hockey season, but I was like my sixth week at the university of Maine as a student and I was ready (laughs) and I was, I was ready for it. Um, there were a few other, uh, broadcasters besides me that season. Um, but you know, as people could tell right away, as soon as I was calling games that, wow, like you're better than most college kids that do this. And and I'd only done it the one time. And, you know, I, I still have those original tapes because my mom was good enough to, uh, to record them, uh, for me off the radio. And, uh, you know, obviously they're much worse now compared to, to where I am at the moment, but for at least that time for somebody who hadn't done it before, I, people thought I had something. So that was, that was gratifying for sure. And I've kind of always wanted to, to do the hockey broadcast thing as, as a career path. So, so that was very good. And, and I've been able to, to continue it for the most part for mostly my entire adult life. Yeah. So, I mean, your, your career path, I know it's, it's gone into kind of different ways with you did it in college you did it in the minor leagues, and then the, when the Pirates kind of folded up, you kind of were left in the cold. But now you're back doing, I mean, you main hockey on TV. You're doing some other hockey stuff. So, how, I mean, how are you right now feeling doing what you're doing and, and not being at – because I don't think if you're not doing it professionally, but you're at a, at a great school, college, for my opinion, I think that's just as good. I think it is. And, and especially now with the way the industry is going and, and I'll be honest, growing up radio was really all I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and, you know, as I said, my father was on television for, for so long. And um, again, I, I come from divorced parents, so I didn't see him as much as I did my mom. And, and especially when I was young and he had first started in Maine and became popular we could not go out without him being stopped somewhere to say, Oh gosh, you're great. And that's, that's awesome. But at the same time, you know, radio, I could see gave you a little bit more anonymity. People yeah. wouldn't stop you all the time when you're out there cause they don't see your face. Yeah. So um, that in part kind of made me gravitate a little bit more towards radio than television. But now with, uh, I mean, streaming being such a big thing, um, on the internet. And I, I think a lot of sports are going to go in that direction. I think more sports broadcasting is going to be video based as opposed to audio only. So jumping into television now, I think is, is a good thing. And I also think, especially as that happens more and more, I think most of the announcers that, that come through the minor league ranks and, and all that, and eventually get to Major League Baseball or to the National Hockey League, NBA, NFL, are going to be doing it through video-based uh, applications rather than audio-only based applications. So I think I'm in there at a good time and also at a time when college hockey is becoming even more popular. It's yeah. on 
television nationally a lot more. There are more universities that are creating programs. I mean, 10 years ago, uh, we did not have any major conferences sponsoring college hockey. It was all specific hockey-related conferences that were at the Division I level. Now we have a Big Ten hockey conference. That is a huge deal yeah. for the sport of college hockey. And Arizona State now has a varsity program. They're not affiliated with any conference yet, but they've been uh, to an NCAA tournament already, and they've only been in existence for three years at the varsity level. Um, and there's all sorts of, of you know, talk out there that there's going to be other bigger universities jumping in. The University of Illinois might at some point relatively soon. Uh, Long Island University in New York City is, uh, is starting a program up this winter. So there's a lot of growth in college hockey. It's becoming more of a national, uh, you know, kind of a broadcast property than it was before. And I think you're going to start to see more National Hockey League voices coming from that, those ranks because sure. of the television exposure as opposed to people coming almost exclusively through the ECHL, the American Hockey League, where I was. I actually think I'm fairly well positioned if, uh, if I'm able to, to get to the National Hockey League to, to be able to do it from where I'm at. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. College baseball is becoming that, and it was either the Twins or the Brewers who hired their TV voice right out of college baseball program. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, it's so funny that you bring up the audio part going away. I had the same thought the other day. And listen, I mean, I've been in radio, but I look at the value of it now. Uh, minor league teams pay to be on the radio. I don't know if there's value in that anymore. But mm -hmm. I look at value in the streaming things that we have now. People are watching on Twitch, watching people play video games. You could make an interactive broadcast on Facebook Live where they could see you, they could see the game, and it would just be more, it would be better, I think. And mm -hmm. I, I totally, I was having the same thoughts that there's more you can do. You can make a complete interactive broadcast, which would appeal to your point, younger people. But I think it's time. You know, the, the person bringing the radios to the games, I don't know if that's as strong as it once was. Definitely happens, but th couldn't there be a way to create an interactive listening, even at the arenas? Oh, the phones, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're seeing teams do it. I know I've, uh, one of my good friends from, from hockey broadcasting here. Uh, Mike McKenna, who you probably remember from, yeah, from his yeah. day was with the Portland Pirates, just retired as a, as a hockey player a couple years, you know, uh, well, now it's a little more than a year ago, but he immediately jumped into broadcasting and he's uh, an analyst now on the television broadcast with the Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL. And a lot of what Mike was doing uh, here during the, the playoffs was basically doing a second screen experience for people you know kind of being there in a studio and and analyzing things but also just kind of having fun and interacting with fans and and I know I thought it was really innovative and fun what they were doing and and I think that's something that probably can be built upon and and other teams can do as well and and I do think that's that's kind of the way we're we're going to continue to see the innovation and and I do think that's an, an important element because one thing that is important uh, for, for you and I is to create some kind of a connection with the fan base. And if we can do it kind yeah. of virtually 
in real time, that only enhances that relationship for the fan. And I think that it's better to quantify. So, for example, in Pawtucket, we were doing those sim broadcasts. Our numbers on Facebook Live and Periscope were through the roof. Yeah. We can bring that to somebody and they can, and there's no, you know, you can generate actual numbers now. And I know uh, companies are spending money with influencers based on, they can get right into your Twitter account and they can see an algorithm and analytics to show what you're generating. And I think it's beneficial now to both parties that we can say, hey, look at this Facebook Live we just did from Fenway. Look what it generated. Look how many views. And uh, I agree with you. I, I think there's so much now that, um, and, and, and you can create, anybody can create something. You know, that's what I love now. You can go on YouTube Live. The video game industry, I just go back to that because I remember playing video games as a kid and you got made fun of by your parents or they're stupid. And now you can major in that. So yeah. who would have thought that, you know, video games would become a professional sport somewhat. I mean, it's generating millions, Jeff, in, in ad revenue. Yeah. And, and I mean, Twitch is born off that. And now we're seeing commercials for video games and players play video games. I mean, so I, I look at that industry from 10 years ago and I feel like what you're saying like in 10 years we're going to look back and go man we you were right Jeff I mean I would you know let's just bring it as you and I as fans if I could yeah. watch you on Facebook live talk that would be interesting to me because I'm kind of a casual hockey fan if I mm -hmm. could see you interact with you that would draw me even more to watching interesting yeah no I, I and I can totally you know, see that um you know especially you know, because, I mean, you do have downtime sometimes during broadcasts. I mean, uh, you know, for instance, during uh, a television broadcast, during intermission, a lot of times there's, you know, kind of video content that, that's put on the actual broadcast itself. But that's an opportunity to just kind of also, you know, for those five minutes, maybe jump on a Facebook Live or a Periscope or, yeah. or something and, you know, kind of answer quick questions or kind of go back and forth with fans. So there's, there is opportunities to do that. There are, that is for sure. And I mean, if, if that's something that, that fans want, I'm sure the content creators will, uh, will make it happen. But even just having games streamed, I know that the G League is good at that. They were pretty innovative of having it on YouTube and then Facebook Live. Like, I think even minor league sports or even the big leagues should get into that game because when it's all said and done, it's all about money. And, that, and I, have no, I have no issues with that. I am totally fine with business and doing what's best for business. Social media is killing it right now in business because we walk around with the business on our phones. You know, right. we, we're walking around with, with the businesses. And if you can get with them, align yourself with them, I just think it's more money for everybody involved. I really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, you know, I, I do think these platforms have created a much lower barrier for entry for a lot of people to, to get in the game and, and kind of do things. I, I think it's, it's hard to, to be able to break in at that ground level and be able to actually make something of yourself. I do think that becomes a little bit difficult, especially as more and more people try to, you know, sure. content create, but, um, it is, I think a good opportunity for, for people to kind of try things out and, and understand what they're good at, maybe what they enjoy a little bit more than other things. And, 
and that's okay. I mean, absolutely. You're, you're right. I mean, we do carry it around and you know, that's not good for, for certain things, but for, for other things it is. Yeah. I know I do get overwhelmed by it too. I mean, in the same degree, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And I mean, from just from my own perspective, I deleted the Facebook app off my phone maybe three months ago. Yeah. I haven't even really thought about it on my phone ever since. Yeah. So what's, what's yeah. your go-to uh, app? Are you a uh, Twitter? Twitter is pretty much the only one I get on with any frequency at all. Yeah. Um, and mostly, I, I mean, the only time I use it for the most part is just to push out news of, uh, yep. you know, teams that I'm following, uh, you know, whether it's Twin City Thunder and the United States Premier Hockey League or University of Maine or it's the Maine Mariners or, or just anything kind of that I'm related to. If, if there's something going on with that, then I, I kind of push it out on Twitter. Uh, with the radio shows account, that's a little bit different. You know, we kind of have a little bit of fun with stuff that's, you know, happening during games or, or anything like that uh, with, with that show's account. But for the most part, yeah, Twitter is the only one that, that I go on to with, with any regularity at all. Yep. And you can follow Jeff. What's your Twitter? I should know this by now. Uh, at Jeff Mannix. There you go. 96.3 at the big jab, uh, dot com where you can listen every week with your show. Yeah, I, and our, I, our show Twitter, by the way, is at Big Jab Saturday. Yes, you guys. There too. Now, is the, is the younger brother a big influence on all of that uh, social media stuff? Teaching the old dog new tricks? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about that a little bit. I mean, he definitely is, is way more active in it than me, that's for sure. Yeah. But, you know, 11-year age difference, that'll happen. Um, yep. you know, I mean, when I was growing up, the only home, you know, uh, really the only, uh, social media there was, was MySpace. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was basically like end of high school, early college for me. But for him, that was the beginning of middle school. So, yeah. you know, he had a MySpace page growing up and he got onto Facebook as soon as that became widely available. And I don't think I even got onto Facebook until, gosh, the early, you know, nine years ago, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I really tried to resist it for a long time, but uh, and especially once I got back in with the Portland Pirates, it, you know, it was, it was real clear. You, you got to be on social media to push things. So, uh, so I was, and, and I yeah. remain that way, but you know, I, I try to keep it to a minimum because it, it just frustrates me so much, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, with a lot of things. And that's, that's the unfortunate part about social media is I, agree with you. I, I think people pushing opinions so much to the point where, you know, like I don't even want to see them in real life anymore, <laughs> yeah. which is sad because I, you know, just because you think one way about something, I don't think should really completely change how you view that person and how you interact with them. But it, in certain instances, it does that, and that, that's too bad. Yeah, no, I've been having that same I, – I sometimes want to reply, and I don't. I try to keep all my tweets almost like uh, my boss is looking over my shoulder, but I've never been into trolling or all that. But I, I have this great idea. I used to say it a lot when I was doing baseball uh, in Portland. I think for 24 hours, Twitter should make all your tweets video. You have to look into the camera and I wanted to, I, I'd be interesting to see the people who tweet celebrities and talk show hosts and, and broadcasters, what those would be if you actually had to record it, typing and recording. I think it'd be a good social study 
I think that we wouldn't see, right? And yeah, I, I, I like your idea a lot. <laughs> Let's do it once, once a week. And I want to see what people actually say into the camera. Because yeah. listen, I have no problem. If you believe what you're typing, then say it on audio, say it man to man, woman to woman, you know, alien to alien, say it to my face. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, the trolling the celebrities and people who have millions, this is dumb. And, and then I sometimes see them getting into it with, with people. And I'm like, why are you bothering with this guy? He's got like, not to berate somebody, but if somebody's got like 10 followers and it's just some random fan, why would you even care? Yeah. That's the thing I don't understand. And maybe yeah. that's fake too, just to get, you know, to look at me. Oh, sure. And yeah, I don't really get it either. And I, I know that's at times I've kind of been wanted to be drawn into that and have gotten into it at times. And, yeah. and you realize after the fact, especially it's like, why, why did I even bother? Yeah. You know, like this made it worse, not better. So, yeah. you know, a lot of times when I, I see things like that now, and, and sometimes I do type out the reply tweet and then I'm like, nope, nope, yep. not going there. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, I wonder what Twitter thought when they developed this, if they ever thought it was going to be a good social experiment. But you I mean, if you think about the idea, like why in the world would you make a platform where people would just type out what was the original character? I don't know what it was. 140 originally. Yeah. I mean, you think about the original idea mm -hmm. and, and it's like, would you think that would take off? You know, if I had, pitch that to you before you might say why why would anyone go on this and do that because i remember at first going well i'm just going to type out these short little things and then what but then the right. photos the videos the links and all that yeah evolved too but you think of the original idea of it it really is kind of weird right uh yeah it, it kind of is because and it's it's weird because you would figure the long form way that you see on on the other social platforms would be important it, it was funny because once i got into the social media i immediately liked twitter a little bit more just yeah. because it was the, the small bites of things yes you know and it it, it you if you were going to say something there, like it had to be within that amount of characters like it actually kind of honed your writing skills a little bit yeah. So, you know, I kind of like that element of it as opposed to, you know, going on Facebook and reading a 10 paragraph post from somebody, you know, I don't necessarily want to do that, but I'm happy to read a few sentences from somebody. And if it has to go for a few tweets, that's yeah. okay. Um, you know, kind of the, you know, just the, the small little piece of it, I, I think is kind of what drew me in a little bit more. And the fact that you can kind of quickly discuss things because of that character limit. I think it's great for what we do. I mean, I know as a baseball broadcaster, having it up, we're playing the same time, the Red Sox and, and a lot of sports and you see breaking news and you follow certain people. It's really helped me connect with fans. I mean, I think for our business, Twitter is terrific and a, probably the best tool that I could have had. I would be, it would be weird not having it during a game. I would think so now too. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm using Twitter during intermissions of, of my games to update what's going on, yeah. you know, to update the scoring and, you know, this sort of thing happened, put out lineups, uh, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, it's, it, it has definitely become a, a tool in the toolbox now for, uh, for us as broadcasters. 
to prepare, but also, you know, during and after the events. All right. So this, this podcast will live forever. And I want to have one final question for you about the Braves. You know, I did pick them. <laughs> I did a, uh, well, it was a Worcester Red Sox uh, pool. I'm yeah. going to bring it up right here. You won't be able to see it. Um, I have Tampa Bay and Atlanta in the World Series. I have Atlanta as the champions with 42 runs scored in the World Series. I don't know why I picked that. But um, I think my bias to the Braves was when they played the Red Sox. And I just said when they get Albies and uh, Acuna back, I like their young pitching. I just kind of fell for them. But wow, what a story. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I have been a big Atlanta Braves fan from the time I was young. Uh, I have an uncle, in fact, who lives in Atlanta, who had season tickets for a long time back in the 90s. I, I would get, he, and he was, he was great. He actually would, uh, would fly me down every year. We'd go to a series, and a lot of times he'd bring me down for some playoff games, too. Um, so as, as a kid, I got to watch, you know, Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and, and, uh, Chipper and, and all those nice. guys, uh, you know, and that 95 world series was, was fantastic. It's, it's frustrating to me that they didn't win more, but this Braves team this year, this is as close as I've seen to that 95 team since then. And yeah. I, I love watching Ronald Acuna play. Uh, his joy for, for baseball is, is fantastic. I, I love watching him out there every day. I love his celebrations. I love that he's jacked for his teammates. And, and it's, it's fun. Uh, the team's great. And they've got a great young pitcher in Ian Anderson. My goodness, he's been so dominant in this postseason. It's been fun to watch him. Uh, and, and I really like the way Brian Snitker manages. Um, you know, a lot of people love Bobby Cox. I was not his biggest fan as a manager, uh, but I do like Snitker an awful lot and the way he uses his team uh, and the way uh, that, that he puts lineups together. I, I, I love the way they're doing it, and I think this is as good a shot as they've had since they last won one to win one and yeah. it's going to be awesome if they can do it um I, and I, I know that that atlanta gets maligned a little bit as a sports city sometimes but uh they love the braves yeah. and that i've known forever from spending a lot of time there and uh i i can only tell you it will be uh a phenomenal party for days if the braves are able to pull this off Excellent. Yeah. I, I will say, Jeff, for people watching, I wore my main whoopie pies. I haven't worn this since that game. Oh, wow. Made, yeah. In honor of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. What, one last thing, then I'll let you go. Okay. As you get older, I get older. I just want to be happy in what I do. Are, are you kind of the same way? You know, you, I used to think, geez, if I don't get to the big leagues, I failed. You know, that's when you're younger, you're in your 20s, you get like that. But now I, I, you just obviously get a good perspective on life. Do you kind of I, – I, and I'm probably speaking for you, but I kind of feel you definitely want to make it big, but you do want to be happy as well. I, Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. You know, and, and I'm in a situation now where I'm, I'm extremely happy. You know? I, uh, you know, I have a good radio show. I'm working with my brother. I'm married yeah. to a woman who is fantastic and supports me in, in everything that I do. We support each other. She's fantastic at, at a lot of the projects she's working on. And, you know, we're both kind of trying to carve out our own thing and, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, I, I, the way I look at it is um, 
if I'm supposed to, to get a big job somewhere, that'll happen. Yeah. And if I'm not, then that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things trying to put Maine forward as, as a sports destination now and, and to be a part of, you know, trying to just grow as many things in the state as, as possible. And, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if, my lot ends up being kind of as, as a big sportscaster in the state of Maine. That's okay with me. Yeah. Um, I love it here. And no matter what, we're always going to have roots here. Um, and that's, you know, the, the most important thing to me is, is that our state continues to grow, continues to, to be the leader that I think we should be. Our state motto is dear ago, which, uh, translated from Latin means I lead. And I've always thought from the time, you know, growing up uh, as a little kid in the early 80s, that that is the coolest thing ever. Hmm. And I, we do a lot of great things here. And I would like us to actually, you know, look like we lead a little bit more with how good we do things here. And I, I think more and more people understand how great of a place Maine is. And and why so many people want to call it home. Well said, my friend. I mean, when you get two play-by-play guys, they're just going to gab, 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 gab. But that was great. Over 50 minutes with Jeff Mannix, a terrific guy and a proud guest of Behind the Mic. Feel the love for me, please, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. If you just search my name, if you go to my Twitter file, at the radio mic, and we I have a Twitter for the podcast, but if you go to at the radio mic and follow me, I use this thing called Linktree. It's terrific. And Linktree allows you to put all of your social media links on just one page. If you click that, you're gonna see all my links. You get to any of my social media accounts. Okay? Love it, good stuff. We got no more baseball. We got NFL stuff coming up. I know that I've just been doing interviews and I've been leaving my opinionated side. And maybe I'll do that next week. Maybe I'll do that in a video. You never know what you're going to get from behind the mic. But you do know what you get every week from this. I say it all the time. Peace and love. Thanks for listening. <laughs>